Yeah. Uh, I'm Dennis, and I'm an alcoholic. Uh, I'm in South Australia, in Adelaide, and uh, I got sober here in uh, in Australia. I'm originally from uh, the UK. Uh, my story, uh, uh, alcohol affected me a long time before I ever picked a drink up. Uh, my father was a, I believe to this day, he was a alcoholic. Uh, he never got to Alcoholics Anonymous, so we don't know, but uh, he was certainly a really heavy drinker and a violent, uh, violent drunk. He'd... Uh, He'd been in the Second World War, so I believe he suffered from uh, poor st stress from the war. He'd been in a few countries in the in the army, and uh, yeah, so he had a, a double affliction, you know. But uh, when we were growing up with kids, we seen a lot of violence in the house, you know, domestic violence, and uh, I was only thinking. Uh, the other day that uh, my father, I can't remember my father ever hitting me, but uh, he just had to lose, his, lose the plot and we all scattered like mice, you know, and uh, on the weekends it was worse. And uh, I do believe that people, are, the kids that are brought up in a, in a, a alcoholic environment are very similar to war zones, you know. We had uh, ambulances and police and all sorts there every weekend. Well, not every weekend, but on a regular basis. And uh, But uh, the area was brought up in, like many areas, you know, different, you know. Uh, once I got to about the age of... Uh, probably 14, I was drinking in the, in the pubs down the bottom end of town. And, uh, yeah, my drinking career took off. And that was, it's like many people, you know. Uh, I can't really remember getting drunk uh, in the early days, out blackouts or anything. I just, you know, we went out. We didn't have much money. And it was more of a, a sneaky little cheeky thing to do, you know, but uh, after starting work and getting a little bit more money, I suppose I started to venture out on the weekends and drinking excessively, and, uh, you know, I believe I qualified for this show by the, at the age of about 18. Uh, I'd got myself in a fair bit of strife by then, but... Uh, no, during that period, I, I was serving my time as a boilermaker, and uh, yeah, I just run the mock, you know. But uh, by, the, by the time I was 21, I was married for the first time and had a baby and responsibilities. And you know, when I think about responsibilities, I was in no position. I was still that 14 year old kid, and consequently, I. Uh, I behaved like that, you know, I uh, uh, I didn't live far from my in-laws at the time and she could spend quite a bit of time with the mother and one thing and another and I ended up uh, myself doing uh, 
starting to do geographics, I'd finished my time and the opportunities come up to go on different jobs, on work jobs and and I'd tittle off and I, I was, you know, I, I come home one night, I'd been, I'd been working at British Steel and something had happened there and I come home one night from the pub and I said, oh, I've got a job in Germany and some people often talk about jumping on the plane or going and leaving the house and not coming back for two months and that's what I did, you know. I, I was one of the Avedas and pet boys, you know. I jumped on a plane and went to work in Berlin and, of course, uh, the idea was to go over there and make lots and lots of money, but uh, as a practicing alcoholic, uh, as an apprentice practicing alcoholic, I uh, obviously didn't bring much money home, and and uh, I wasn't long back in uh, in my hometown. And then uh, you know I got a steady job, which was a good job, and. Uh, but I was restless, irritable, discontent and responsibilities and I ended up jumping on another plane and flying off it to Iran of all places. And uh, at the time the Shah was there and uh, the company I worked for had a big house and it was a pub. So I was able to get plenty of grog there and we used to often send drivers out hundreds of kilometers to come to go and get his grog and bring it back onto the site for us so uh, and that was something else about my drink and I always seemed to gravitate to the people that drank like me I remember I was working I'd started a job in British Steel one time and uh, it was 10 o'clock in the morning smoke or you know and I said to one of the blokes I said uh, just randomly, is there any pubs around here? You can get a beer around here. And he, he turned around me and he said, what, do you want one now, do you? I said, no, no, not now. I probably would have drank one then, but he said, well, there's a hole in every fence where the pubs are and you just sneak out over to the pubs. And so you can imagine I use them holes quite a bit. But uh, I me drinking, you know, at that stage, that marriage finished. It was a messy affair. And uh, I ended up back in my hometown, I think, living with my parents, living with my mum and uh, my mum and dad again. And uh, I ended up uh, falling in love with a barmaid. And uh, by, this, by this stage, my father had passed away. He passed away at 57, and I, I believe it could have had some effects of alcohol, but... It was never on his uh, death certificate, but uh, I ended up falling in love with a barmaid and uh, we ended up emigrating to uh, Australia. And I got a job in Australia and it was going to be different. It was going to be great times. But like we all know, I brought me with me. And uh, it wasn't long before them people that I was talking about earlier that I gravitated to what gravitated to here. And, uh, yeah, me drinking, me drinking at that stage when I was, you know, I was about 25, 26 or something, I think, 25 or something. I think it was still, uh, I wouldn't say manageable, 
but I hadn't, uh, I still had people in my life to keep me propped up, to enable me, and uh, my wife was one of them. We had a couple of kids and bought a house and all the trimmings, uh, changed occupations to local government and me drinking. Uh, it was progressing. It's a progressive disease and it progressed in me and eventually I ended up, uh, you know, one weekend. I had a really bad weekend, as many of us do, but this seemed to be excessive and I, I was working with a fella and I went to work and he pulled me once to one side and it was a social function and he said to me about me drinking was a bit out of control, a bit out of hand and he said he was a member of Alcoholics Anonymous and maybe if I had a problem it worked for him and it might work for me and I said to him that morning I'll do anything to stop drinking. And I tried, I'd been to doctors and counsellors and detox but uh, I never had a desire to stop drinking. So he took me along to Alcoholics Anonymous and uh, and I walked in. I thought it was great. I thought all these people, I identified with some people and I had laughed at some of the stories I'd done and I hadn't done. You know, a couple of the yets, I thought they were good. And, and I'd go home and tell my wife about these people. And, and it wasn't long before... I don't know what had happened, but something was happening in my life, and I, I decided that uh, to turn on my phone and say, hey, it might be for you, but it's not for me, and he said to me, that's all right, then I'll see you later, and I, and I left here, and, and I often say, you know, I left here, and my drinking got worse. Uh, nobody ever comes back to Alcoholics Anonymous and said, I've had a great time, I've just popped it back in for the Nescaf coffee, you know, it's a bit like the mafia. When you leave, bad things happen. And that's what happened to me. I lost everything. The wife left me. Domestic violence came into it. And she ended up leaving the country and taking the kids. She's from the UK. The kids aren't here, Australian. But she ended up fleeing the country and taking the kids with her. And, and everything was sold. The cars and caravan house and everything and all the material things. And... I ended up uh, with a pocket full of money and drunk and I thought I know what I'll do, I'll go back to UK for a bit of a holiday and I did and I just devastated lives once again over there, I was like a tornado, just drunk every day and it was just chaos. I got divorced the first time I bumped into my wife, she said to me I want a divorce so that was the end of that. and. Uh, well, what happened to me was I got so sick and I'd run out and people were saying to me, I thought you were going back to Australia, they wanted rid of me. And I, I ended up getting some money together, I stole a couple of things and sold them, I ended up getting the price of a ticket back to Australia. And I don't really know why, because I've got no family at all in Australia. And I ended up jumping on a plane in Teesside Airport. And I can't remember getting on the plane, I can't remember getting off it, but I woke up in Royal Adelaide Hospital, shackled through a bed, and uh, I was all in white, and I wasn't in white when I left England. And uh, what happened was this, uh, I'd phoned a mate, and he'd come to the hospital and see me getting taken off the plane, and he eventually got in touch with a fella that had brought me back to Alcoholics, and had brought me to Alcoholics Anonymous. 
and I knew, I knew I had to do that. I knew this was, if you know, if I didn't do something, it was the end. And I was very sick, and I ended up getting out of hospital and getting back to Alcoholics Anonymous, and uh, and I haven't had a drink since, you know, and that was first of January '95, and I uh, I was living on my mate's shed floor. I had nowhere to live. I was sleeping on a mattress. I was I'd lost heaps of weight. I was yellow. I was 57 kilo, and I wasn't well, and not far from me, one end, you know, I ended up getting a house within a matter of weeks, which is pretty incredible. God job. God was working in my life, and he still is today, you know. And I ended up uh, getting a house. And at both ends of the street, basically, there was AA members. Pommy Stan was at one end, and Brendan, Irish Brendan, was at the other. And I'd be around their houses more often than not. And I was always welcomed, you know. They just wanted me to get well. And uh, and not far from where I lived was a meeting, a Smithfield meeting. And I've been a member of that meeting ever since, you know, I've come in. That's where I found, I believe, I found my spirituality in that room, you know. With the old sober members that just loved me and wanted me to get well. And eventually, you know, I, started, I was at the meeting one day and somebody mentioned praying and I thought, oh, Peter T actually said he didn't like praying but he liked the results and I thought, oh, I'll try praying. And I picked up a little prayer and I prayed, I've said it every day, I think, since I've landed. And eventually, you know, medical started happening and I actually... She used to phone me daughter, she was about seven at the time, once a week, and uh, my son was a bit young, to, you know, I used to talk to him now and again, but I phoned me daughter, and uh, this particular night, they decided to phone me ex and see how she was going over in England, and she said, well, I might as well tell you we're coming back to Australia, and I was just so over the moon, you know, I'd been praying to see my kids again, I'd prayed, you know. Anybody that's lost the kids knows what I'm talking about. And so I went running round to Brendan's, and he was my sponsor at the time, and I said to him, you never guess what, Brendan? Pam's coming back to Australia, but she can't come for 12 months because she's got no money. And he said, well, that's good then. He said, because you'd be a lot better then. And I thought, this prick, what's he on about? I'm better now, you know. I had about four months sobriety. Anyway, he, uh, things started happening, but for me what happened was I was very sick and I didn't know if I was going to make it. And I'd went and made a will and I'd left everything in the will. I had superannuation and everything. and I decided to draw a lump out my superannuation and pay for their flights to come back to Australia. And uh, that was one little way of making amends. And, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, it was a big, big change in my life. You know, I, I really, I've got a higher power in my life today and it's just unshakable. You know, and after that many things happened, I got different types of jobs and work and everything else. And, uh, you know, I started putting the program into my life, the steps into my life and, 
praying on a regular basis and I started doing service work. And many, many things have happened in the years I've been around. And, you know, uh, I went back, I got, in a re I, went, I got into a relationship in, in Alcoholics Anonymous after a few years. And I was in that relationship for about seven years. And we were going, we both was were going back to the UK for a holiday. And uh, the day before we due to fly out, I got a phone call from my sister to say that my mother had passed away. And uh, I was able to go back and assist in tidying up our affairs, you know, without being a drunken, slobbering mess. And uh, while I was back there, my younger brother, there's four of us in the family, uh, three boys and a girl, and my younger brother had a bit of a problem with alcohol, and, you know, he was in a pretty bad way, and I tried to get him to do a couple of meetings and everything, but it never come out, nothing become of it. But when I did leave the UK, I got a phone call from my sister, and she said to me, you never guess what, then, she said, uh, Leslie's going to Alcoholics Anonymous. And I said, that's fantastic, Maureen. She was over the moon. She thought, maybe if it worked for me, it might work for him. And so I was phoning him every week to see how he was going and that. And then I phoned him one week and he says, uh, I said, how are you going to the meetings, Leslie? He said, oh, the meetings. He said, I can't seem to get much out of them, so I'm not going anymore. And... Uh, and I spoke to him a couple of times after that. And then I got a phone call again off my sister saying she'd got a phone call to go down to the hospital. Uh, they wanted to turn off the life support machine. He'd been picked up in the street, collapsed. And uh, yeah, she ended up turning the life support machine off my brother and he died of this disease. So, you know, I don't have to look far to see how lucky I am that I'm, I'm sober today. And the gifts I've got in my life today, money can't buy. You know, I've, uh, I've got four beautiful grandkids today. Uh, you know, many things have happened. Uh, my, uh, my son, you know, he got got involved in a girl when, uh, with a girl when he was 16 and, and they had two beautiful kids and that was a bit of a shock to the system but uh, them kids have, you know, they're beautiful kids today, they've grown up 16 and 17 and uh, my daughter's had a couple of babies as well and uh, I was with the two little ones today and things like that, when I think about my sobriety, it's just things that money can't buy. And, you know, that relationship I was in finished. And uh, I just realized after it finished that, you know, I was just basically doing the same things in, in sobriety as what I was in when I was drinking. You know, I was in a relationship for all the wrong reasons. And uh, and I've never been in one since. And, you know, I finally found out after a long time what Dennis really wants, you know. And for me, I love traveling. I do a fair bit of traveling with members of Alcoholics Anonymous. I've been 
all around Australia. I've been to Bali three times. I've been to conventions overseas and I've, you know, I was in Ireland a couple of years ago and met up with a fellow I'd met here. You know, it's just, uh, you know, people say, oh, about doing meetings. For me, it's not so much doing the meetings, it's meeting friends you haven't met yet, you know, and uh, I've had some wonderful, wonderful experiences. I, uh, you know, I've been to a couple of islands off Australia and done meetings there. You know, we went up to Thursday Island, which is right at the top of Cape York, and there was one member there, and six of us drove all the way up there, and we went over to Thursday Island and had a... Uh, had a meeting over there with him, you know, and he was so rapt to see so many people, like six, you know. So, uh, and today I do a bit of service work. I try to carry the message of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'll never be able to give back to where what's being given to me, but today I do a bit of service work. I, I'm, uh, the service I'm doing at the moment is public information officer for the northern suburbs of Adelaide, and uh, we've just got a request from the uh, government detox, DASA, to uh, maybe take a, a group into the uh, detox centres in Riyadh and uh, have a meeting in there, which is pretty exciting. And uh, we're also running a radio show we call it Sober Talk on the local radio show here, and it's uh, it's on uh, PBFM 89.7, and you can get it anywhere around the world. My sister listened to it the other week in England, and uh, once a fortnight we have a guest speaker on there that gets to share the story, and... Uh, and we also run 60 ads a month on that radio show, which is quite good. And uh, the, the radio station just love the fact that we are out there in the community trying to help, especially in this time of, uh, you know, addiction and just hard times. You know, and they just embrace us, they bend over backwards to accommodate what we want, you know, what, the, what we want us to do. And, and that's just a phone-in thing. Nobody has to attend the station. We pre-record and, uh, and yeah, we've been um, a very, it's been a success. We've got it on uh, podcast now. One of our members has put it up on podcast. And uh, so, yeah, if I can give back to Alcoholics Anonymous a little bit, of what's been so uh, freely given to me, uh, I'll do it every time, you know. I'll, uh, yeah, it's been, I've been sober longer than I've drank, and, you know, I've had two lives. I've had a drunken life and a sober life, and I certainly know which one I prefer, you know. I, uh, you know, it's, I've just got, you know, it, it, it's it's hard to explain. It's hard to explain in 
you probably all know what I'm talking about anyway. It's hard to explain about the people you meet and all the rest of it, you know, I've been, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's like a big family, you know. Somebody, well, you know, I often, if people ask me to share the spiritual concept, I mean, one of the things I always emphasize is that for me, the spiritual side of this program is, is if I'm walking down the street or walking down a shopping center and I see another member of Alcoholics Anonymous that I know, I just light up like a Christmas tree. It's like, and I don't, you know, I'm just so pleased to see him. And nine times out of ten, they're pleased to see me, I might live. But the, uh, it's just the feeling I get when I see another member uh, that I don't get in any other, I don't get that even with me family, you know, I, I travelled back to the UK to see my sister and brother-in-law and that, and you the brother, and I don't get that connection, I haven't got that connection with them that I have with you as members, you know, I'm probably talking to people from wherever in the world today, and you just never know when we might cross paths, and, uh, you know, this is a, program of hope and uh, that's what I've been given I've been given hope for everything in my life you know I've been given it freely you know when I come in some of the older sober members that have have passed away now they've gone but not forgotten and you know I just have to think of a conversation I would have had or I have with one of them people and it just lights me up you know uh, I don't feel any sorrow for them people that have gone. You know, I just feel the love and warm warmness that they give me when I uh, when I first come in and when I was struggling. You know, but you know, I'll, uh, yeah. You know, I'll just finish on this. I I went back to the uh, UK a few years ago, and uh, and I was doing making amends. You know, and I. I I uh, I was with my mum on a Saturday night. I think she was in the seventies then. We were, anyway, we were sat having fish and chips and watching Coronation Street. And I was like to say I let out of the remote. And uh, you know, I said to her about me drinking, and I would you know the sleepless nights and everything. And like you know, I've heard a million times. She said to me. Dennis, I'm just happy that you don't drink anymore, you know. I'm just so pleased that you've been able to give it away. And, you know, it's not me. It's nothing to do with me. It's all to do with Alcoholics Anonymous in the program and a God of my understanding, you know. And uh, I just love it with a passion. And uh, I hope I've uh, said a bit and... Uh, Thanks for asking me to share.